You're listening to a United City, the official Peterborough United podcast. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of our official podcast, A United City. My name is Phil Adlam. And if you've missed any of our previous episodes featuring manager Darren Ferguson, midfielder George Boyd and first team coach Aaron McLean, you can still download them. But what can you expect in this episode? We have an exclusive interview with a Premier League manager. We have one of the country's top goal scorers with me in the studio. And we have a chat with a posh fan in the States. Let's introduce our guest in the studio with me today. He's currently the top joint scorer in League One with 11 goals. He's arguably one of the best strikers the club have recruited in many years. And not only that, he's got the perfect voice for a podcast. A big welcome to Ivan Tony. Ivan, welcome. Thank you very much. Well, let's tell you what's coming up in today's podcast. We chat to Ivan about his career to date, nearly joining Wolverhampton Wanderers rather than Newcastle United, and how happy he is to be closer to home. We have an exclusive interview with a Premier League manager who has fond memories of working with our studio guest. And we chat with Nathan Thompson to find out his ideal dinner guests and also find out why the fan base may be growing in the States. Not only that, but we also find out the answer to a killer question posed to Ivan. More on that later. So Ivan, welcome to the podcast. Um, firstly, you must be delighted with how things are going. Yeah, obviously I'm buzzing with uh, how the season started. Obviously scoring goals, being in the goal-scoring team and uh, w- winning games and putting us- ourselves in a good position. So hopefully that can uh, continue. Yeah, obviously when you, you saw the recruitment that was going on in the summer, you've obviously played with a number of strikers last season. Um, when Mo Issa was recruited, obviously as a goal scorer and as someone that um, you know can link play as well, you must have been delighted to have someone up there with you. Yeah, well, as a striker, you, you want someone that's going to give you competition. Not that uh, he's going to be taking my place or I'm going to be taking his, but we're going to be... Pl- play uh, with each other and uh, if I score, he's going to want to score. If he scores, I'm going to want to score. So it's good to have someone like that alongside you and you know he's going to take his chance when he gets it. So you've got to take yours. And sometimes in pre-season, when you, you, your strikers, obviously you, you mix and match, you play 45 minutes here, it's not really too much about partnerships. However, when you two did play in pre-season, you seemed to work quite well together. You found an understanding and, and that's important early doors. Yeah, I think it's important as strikers, you got to click quite quick and uh, I think we did do that. As you can see, pre-season was both scoring, but um, we've managed to take that into uh, the actual season and uh, get both get both get goals and be top, top uh, goal scorers. And for you personally, obviously, you ended the season quite well in a goal scoring reign of form, and obviously, you had the break during the summer, and then obviously scoring on the opening day, albeit in a defeat, it sort of sets you up straight away, doesn't it? You don't have to wait too long to get off the mark again. To be fair, the way I finished the season last year, I'm, I, I typically do that the last three seasons but that's just where it is sometimes and starting a season well is is crucial obviously as a striker getting your first goal is, is important to get then the others just come flying in but I managed to get that and uh, look where I'm now so hopefully I can keep scoring and put our, put our team in a good position Obviously yourself, Mo and Marcus have got 30 goals between you. I think Marcus uh, posted posted on social media this week that there's no better front three I mean I'm sure there is but you, is you there? Must, well, um, I, I, <laughs> no. maybe at a higher level, perhaps. No. But in terms of the three, you seem to have a real good dynamic between you in terms of knowing where each other's going to be. No, it is. Obviously, um, me, well, me working with Mads, he was, he was a strong reason why I come to the club. Knowing he's going to get strikers' goals and knowing he's got a wonder of a left foot to put the ball wherever you want it. 
and uh, he, most of my goals has has come from him. And uh, playing with him just off me and Mo, it, it, it's a dream dream to play with. But um, we've been we're doing doing well at the moment, and uh, if we keep playing how we've been playing, we'll score plenty more goals. Yeah, you mentioned that. Is, is that something prospective signings actually think about in terms of, you know, you've obviously got interest in you from the football club. Do you have a look at what, you know, what is available in the squad already before you make that decision? Because obviously, as you say, Marcus was creating goals for fun for, for many years at the football club as a striker. Was that up there in what you, you, you list as a reason to join? Yeah, of course. As if, if you're a striker and you're going to a club, you're going to want to see how the wingers play. And that's going to be feeding your goals and uh, the midfielders. But um, the, the the formation we play is is crucial for the player in the uh, hole to be assisting, and Maz is doing that very well. So that's what attracted me, and um, here I am now. And in terms of your overall game, because everyone sees you've scored eleven goals and obviously a threat going forward. <coughs> but the thing about people that probably don't know you is you you want to be really involved in the game, don't you? You go searching for the ball if necessary, and you'll do your real fair share of defending. If you sort of moulded yourself into a very rare commodity, which is like an all-round striker that does everything? Yeah, I want to be involved in the mix. I want to be winning the game. So whatever I have to do, I will do it. Obviously, if I don't score, then I want to be make, making a playing a big part in winning the game. So whether it means I, I, I take a knock, I take a knock. If it means I track back right to the edge, edge of my box, then I will do that. But... If I if I can't be scoring, I want to be doing something else to help the team out. And in terms of free kicks, obviously you mentioned Marcus, he obviously loves to take free kicks, but I think anyone watching will probably be a little bit surprised to know that you're actually a bit of an expert yourself. You've obviously scored a few free kicks during your time at Peterborough. Um, is that something that, that comes naturally? You practice on it or do you just do it in the, in the hope that Marcus isn't playing? Uh, <laughs> well, to be fair, you see pre-season that I can take free kicks. But listen, Mads, Mads is the man for free kicks, and uh, if he wants to take it, he takes it. If not, then uh, I'll be getting on them. But I think is Luke... that really how it works? So I can't imagine that if Marcus says I'm taking it, you don't say, "Come on, let me have a go." To be fair, you look at uh, Mads's uh, record from scoring free kicks; is a joke. <laughs> so um, listen, you got you got to step aside if you if he wants it, he wants it. But I think Reedy's trying to step up and take some now. But he got bullied at the weekend, so I don't think he'll be taking <laughs> much more. <laughs> Right, well, obviously Ivan started his career with Northampton Town and was managed by a current Premier League boss. Now, we had a chat with Sheffield United Chief Chris Wilder to find out more about his time at the Cobblers managing Ivan and his advice for the future. One of the first things we did, obviously, was to, to see what players we inherited. And at the time, there was a boy who was on loan from Everton that went up, went up to Carlisle. Uh, there was three young lads. We had a practice match straight away. I think the boy from Everton decided he wanted to go back anyway. Yeah, uh, it was, his name was Hallam Hope. And we had these three boys and we thought, oh, because they've all got some. I thought the pecking order really was, was Ivan as number three out of those. We had a practice match and it was always, it was some at the end of it. Ivan did something and you went, that's not bad. That was the type of player he was, obviously. You know, he was the youngest out of them. I think he was 16 at the time. He was the one that, you know, straight away, good size. And he, he just did something that was out in the ordinary, really, from any of the forwards that they had there that sort of first, like, sort of notified us of there might be a player there. Did that, that physicality that he had, even at that age, I guess that helps when, you, when you're in League 2, League 1, because you know they can adapt to that side of things, at least. 
Yeah, I mean, it was difficult because obviously the club was like about five or six points adrift. So, you know, to stick a young boy in there straight away wouldn't, wouldn't have been fair on him. And, and we brought a couple of strikers in straight away. But we always knew that Ivan was sort of floating about. And, you know, he got on the bench a couple of times. But obviously, he's, uh, you know, in terms of his size... He, he, he was raw, but he, you know, he, he did things different. You know what centre, other centre forwards really didn't do. You know his ability wise, played off both feet, could finish. Got obviously good size, but you know obviously very naive. And I think we had a care of duty as well, not to stick him straight in as well. But there did come a point where we thought we can't hold him back. And uh, I think it was a Dagenham game, second to last game of the season away from home. You know we we gave him his debut, and I think it was I think he got a first half hat trick. And all his goals were all were all different. I think one you know, one was an overhead kick and that was the sort of you know him sort of bursting onto the scene in terms of recognition at first team level, but it was always it was it was quite close and, and as I said it was it was a difficult one because you know, we had we had to go for experience because there were some really pressurised games along that way. Yeah. What was he like as a person off the picture as well as on it? Yeah, good. Yeah, good kid. Funny, funny boy. Like nice and bright. Local boy, obviously. So uh, no issues. You know, just wanted to like a little bit of kid in the playground. Really, just wanted to play football and wanted to run around. And we used to have a little little area where we used to have a game of head tennis, and you used to take on the take on the staff and the other players. And you could tell he had a bit about him. You know, he wasn't wasn't arrogant, but he had he, was, he had confidence in his. He had confidence in his own ability. Yeah, he was obviously linked with a number of moves before he actually made the move to Newcastle. I guess that was inevitable given the amount of games he was playing at that point. Yeah, obviously, he, 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 you know, off the back of that, you know, uh, we we survived, which is brilliant. I think he scored in the final game as well, or he was involved, and uh, you know, the supporters liking a local player as well, and one that's come through the system got right behind him. But early on in the the, the next season, we played a cup game at Wolves where we won, and he was involved. So, you know, it, it doesn't take long for, especially at his age and such a young age, to start identifying, and and obviously scouts coming to the games and. And uh, you know, telephone calls, and and you, you knew who was there and who was watching, and yeah, it was obviously a connection from Newcastle through um, through Graham Carr, who was head of their recruitment, who was obviously you know ex-manager of Northampton and been one of you know very very popular one as well. I mean, has it surprised you what he's done since? Obviously, he didn't really get an opportunity at Newcastle and had quite a lot of loan moves, um, but he's, he's obviously scoring goals regularly now didn't surprise us that he went to Newcastle obviously then the next step is breaking into a Premier League team which is you know he, he, he you know obviously was never going to turn turn that move down and we were never going to stand in his way um, but um, I think like all young kids that come out of you know have a, have a year you know two or three years at a Premier League team and don't forced the way in is always you know that uh you know what happens and i know he's you know went to barnes he's had a couple of other, other moves you know on on loan but i think sometimes you know permanent gets settled down gets cracks on you know we've we've always thought very very highly of him you know he's always you know he's been times where even ourselves you know at chef united you know we thought you know this there's, there's, there's a player there but I think the best thing that's happened to him is is is, is what's happened to him. He's he's found a home that he enjoys. He's not a million miles away from home. He's he's under you know a really good manager that will that will work with him and will uh, will appreciate him. And I imagine Ivan appreciates uh, what uh, what what Darren's about as well and the ways he play. And 
and not surprised that he's, you know, as I said, he's, he's sort of kicked up, kick-started his, uh, his, his career at Peterborough. That was Chris Wilder talking to me earlier this week. Now, Ivan, obviously you played under Chris at Northampton. What was he like as a, as a manager? Did you, did you sort of react well to him in terms of what he was trying to, trying to teach you? Yeah, I did. Um, I was training with them a lot. Obviously, being a young lad, I was in and out, but I was with them majority of the time. Um, him and Alan Neal, they, they looked after me quite, uh, very well, actually. And I enjoyed my time under them. Yeah, I mean, Chris obviously um, sort of did all his tutelage at not at the lower league level before he got his opportunity. He was obviously taking Sheffield United into the Premier League. Did you sort of see the characteristics that you need for a good manager even at that time? Yeah, you can see he wanted to win games. And if he didn't win a game, it would hurt him, which how it should be. So he shows that he's dying to do very well, which he has done. He's gone on and done better things, which he fully deserves. So um, I think every team he's been managing has been has adapted the winning mentality, which is important. And it, it goes to show what he's done, took into teams and look where he is now. Yeah, he said in that interview there that obviously he couldn't hold you back any longer because obviously you were still very, very young and you were in a side that were obviously struggling in that first year as well. Um, I, I guess as a young lad making your debut for your hometown club must have been a pretty special moment for you. Yeah, it was a special moment for me, me and my family. Obviously, my family come to every game, so um, to to score in such a crucial time for the uh, in front of them was was a big moment for me. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned your family there. That they, I mean, every player says their family are a big support. I don't think there's any bigger supporters than the Ivan Tony family, are there? Nah, I don't think there is. They they travel up and down the country. They've got some mileage on their car. I tell you that. <laughs> but, they put a claim in. Ah, oh, they soon will. But to be fair, that they travelled they travelled to Plymouth. When I wasn't even starting, I told them don't travel. They said, listen, we, we're there for thick and thin, so fair play to them. They come there, and I, I come on for like 25 minutes, and they were still happy with that, and I managed to get an assist. So, Does that, does that sort of thing really mean a lot to you? Because I, I, I hate to bring this back to Bake Off, but on Bake Off this week, if you did see the episode, um, the lady was, was really upset that her family were not going to be there for the final, and it meant so much to her that the family members were around you. Is that something, as a footballer, that... So you can sometimes take for granted because obviously they do drive you up and down the country as youngsters and then when you make it pro, they sort of share in that joy that you get from playing football, I guess. Well, of course. Obviously, uh, I, didn't, I didn't see the bake-off. but <laughs> Sorry for spoiling it out there. <laughs> no, but listen, family are a big, big, uh, big part of my life and uh, if they want, they want to be there and I want them to be there as well. So it just goes, it goes it's on my shoulders to do well and repay them for travelling. So if me scoring a goal... They'll be happy off that, so I have to make sure I try and score every week. And, and you mentioned, obviously, the, the time at Northampton. Obviously, you moved to Newcastle eventually, but you nearly joined Wolverhampton Wanderers, didn't you? There was a, a bit of interest in you at that point. What happened in and around there? Um, yeah, I was going to go to Wolves, and then um, I think uh, the, the the deal broke down due to um, uh, contract talks. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't come to an agreement. Listen, some, then things happened. Uh, Kenny Jacket was, he, he was on this. He, Pulled me, pulled me aside and said, said what he needed to say. And um, look, some things happen, happen for the best. And I went back to Northampton. Chris Wilder helped me, as well as Anil. Told me to get my head down. It's not a missed opportunity. It's their loss. You just got to keep doing what you're doing, scoring goals, playing well. And I continued to do that. And then I went to Newcastle, which worked, worked out better, really. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously there was a connection between Northampton and, and Newcastle through Graham Carr. But um, when you went up to to, to to play for Newcastle, obviously you got opportunities in that first team quite early doors in terms of coming off the bench and getting the opportunity to show what you can do. I guess when you go to such a big club, it takes a long while to sort of feel part of it, feel home, so to speak, particularly for someone that's that's moved up north. Yeah, it is. It does. It does take a long while, but you're there for a reason. So you can't just be there to make up the numbers. You got to be there to be ready to be thrown in and uh, perform on the time you you put into the team. And um, I, I thought I thought I'd done well when I when I got thrown in, but <laughs> clearly not because <laughs> they didn't have me a lot. But um, listen, that's that's the part and parcel of football. You just got to keep going and. Uh, even if they say no, you just got to keep going again with a different manager. Yeah, can you remember your, your first day in the dressing room at Newcastle? Was it a, a surreal experience? Can you remember walking in and sort of having a look round, or does it all sort of blend into being a footballer? You kind of you get used to that after a while. Do you think my first training session um, at the time? Well, I was with the uh, reserve team. I went in first training session, and then Chekciote was coming back from injury, and. I, I did recognise him, obviously through FIFA, but... <laughs> As you do. Yeah. But I didn't really recognise him like that. And we was doing 1v1s. Obviously, someone's called... Like, there's numbers. One, two teams, one to, like, five. Then the other team's one to five. And I was two, and Czech Tilte was two. Which, if you know Czech Tilte, he doesn't hold back. <laughs> he, he's, he's smashing you. Welcome to Newcastle. Yeah, he's smashing you, he's smashing you. But to be fair... Everyone, and everyone made it worse. It was like, oh my god, he's number two, he's number two. Then I was just standing there like, I'm number two. <laughs> then I was, then I was like, oh, you, you're gonna see why. But then, obviously, he called twos out. We went out. I took him on, scored. Then we done it again. I took him on and scored. I think we done it like four times. I scored every time. And then after the session, he he pulled the manager aside and said, listen, if you don't sign him, then I'm leaving. <laughs> so basically, Czech Toyota is your your agent. Yeah, now, pretty it? much. Yeah. I mean that but, that kind of experience, though. I suppose being so early on as well must have helped you feel a little bit more comfortable in your surroundings, knowing that you could do that in the, under a pressure scenario. Yeah, like like I said, you're there to play football. So and I was there for a reason. So um, you've got to perform and uh, play every game like it should last. And it, it was it was good my time there. Obviously, I take nothing away from them, but. You got to move on now, and uh, here I am at Peterborough. Yeah, you had a, a number of loan spells, obviously, where you were scoring goals. But obviously, at the end of the loan spell, you were obviously going back to to Newcastle. Did that offer of a permanent deal from Peterborough? Did it feel like the right time to find a new home, or was it such a hard decision because obviously you don't want to give away that sort of Premier League or Championship lifestyle as it was? Well, if you're not playing Premier League football, you're not really a Premier League player. So I want to be going. I wanted to go somewhere that I was wanted, really. Because I, I felt like I was getting loaned out far too much. I was coming to my last year and uh, they was looking to loan me out again. So was there any point getting loaned out when I can just go on a palm? And Peterborough was keen to sign me. Steve Evans brought me in and the, the chairman. And obviously, like I said before, Mads, Mads was... Uh, I was looking forward to play, be playing with him. So it was a big part and uh, I, I, made it, I made it permanent coming to Peterborough. And of course, because you, your family home is Northampton, I guess the, the locality played a part as well because ultimately, you know, you're going to be playing your best football if you're surrounded by the people you love. Yeah, of course. You want to be close to home with uh, with family and it's easier for them to travel. <laughs> uh, Unless we get Plymouth away. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but listen, 
near family want to be comfortable playing your football and I feel, feel like I am now hence why I'm scoring uh, scoring goals so it, it's good to be back home Right well as regulars of this podcast will know we like to bring our programme feature Come Dine With Me to the Life so this week I had a chat with defender Nathan Thompson to find out his ideal guests to a dinner party what he would cook and why he now is a bit of a problem with our photographer Joe Dent well, I'm here with uh, Nathan Thompson. Now, Nathan, you've done the uh, the come dine with me. You've chose your ideal dinner party location, which was uh, the Cliff Restaurant in Barbados. Talk us through your decision. It was um, a restaurant we went to this summer. Um, went out with um, with my family and a couple of friends, and yeah, it was it was ridiculous. The, <coughs> sorry, the views over the um, over the the cliff. It was just yeah, one of the best views I've come across. And um, to eat dinner there, that's it'd be my first choice every day of the week. Let's have a look at your uh, dinner menu then. You've gone for a textbook starter of a, of a prawn cocktail. Um, is that because that's the easiest thing for you to do or is that something you would actually actively go for for a starter? If I'm truthful, I panicked. Um, Joe put me on the spot a little bit and um, I wanted to go home and think about it. But um, I do enjoy a prawn cocktail. I'm not sure that would be my first choice. I just couldn't think of anything else at the time so um, that's probably why I went with it if I'm honest we'll let you off on that front the, the, the main course jerk chicken rice and peas yep it's um, again cultural it's um, something from the Caribbean um, something I've grown up on and yeah big fan of it so that's probably yeah definitely my main course yeah, Ricky the chef throws in jerk chicken occasionally I guess it doesn't live up to expectations on the, what you're used to no fair play to Rick I don't mind it from him he, he does give it a good go and um, it does get some compliments so um, hats off to him on that Sticky toffee pudding is uh, and custard as well for your dessert. That sounds quite um, appetising. Yeah, it's indulgent and it's um, it's not something I have too often, if I'm honest. But um, yeah, I'm partial to a, a sticky toffee and a little bit of custard on the side. It goes down very well. And if I made you have a two course, would you go dessert and main, or would you go starter and main? Because my start is so weak on here, I'm probably going to the, uh, main and dessert. I think. Right, let's have a look at your, uh, your, your actual guests now. The teammate, you've gone for your brother. I suppose that's textbook, really. You've got to invite family. Talk to us about Louis, because you don't get to see him as much as you want. No, this is it. Um, with him being, he was at Norwich for a long time, so it was a million miles away. And as soon as I moved up here, thinking I'd be an hour around the corner, he, he moved to Shrewsbury. So it's, um, I don't get to see him as often as I'd like, and it's a perfect opportunity to have him around and, and catch up. And I guess Shrewsbury on the agenda coming up as well is an ideal opportunity to say hello. Yeah, this is it. I think um, my family will be there in the numbers, that's for sure. In terms of another footballer, gone for a former Peterborough player, actually, someone you know from, from his Swindon days, Michael Doughty. Great beard. Yeah, great beard. He's, um, he's a great lad, Doughts. We got on really well. Struck a great relationship up in, um, when he was at Swindon and um, both of our wives actually got on really well as well. So, um, again, someone I haven't really had a huge amount, especially now I've got a little one to to, to see um, a huge amount of late. So to catch up with him would be good as well. Yeah, like yourself, he's actually a, a rare breed. He's got a bit of intelligence to him as well. He's uh, he's quite a, a well-rounded character. No, he's very switched on um, cookie, and I think he'd be very successful and even if he wasn't playing football. So, um, uh, as I say, struck a really good relationship with Doubts and um, someone I think very fondly of. You call him Cookie? Do I call him Cookie? I said yeah. Doubts, didn't I? No, you definitely said Cookie. But I'll let you off. I, I just thought it was a weird sort of nickname you'd no, thrown in your... That's fine, yeah. Um, uh, musician, uh, Beyonce? Yeah, I was panicking a little bit, but I think she'd be great eye candy for the table. I think it was quite male-dominated, the um, the table. So, to be honest, when we've done this before, everybody seems to have put men on it, so it's nice to see a bit of, uh, a bit of you know, gender fluidity. Yeah, this is it. I think it, it brings a little nice dynamic, I think, to that table. Will Smith is uh, the movie star. Would you make him sing or would you talk about uh, his acting career? I don't know. I've seen him on a couple of TV interviews. Um, 
Graham Norton, Jonathan Ross and that. And he seems a good crack. So um, he's got some stories to tell. And I think him and um, I think I mentioned Kevin Hart as well on there. Um, I think they'd bounce off each other quite well. It'd be... Yeah, something I'd look forward to. Yeah, Kevin Hart, is, is a comedian you've seen before? Would love to have seen uh, no, live? I've seen him, yeah, we went to O2 um, a few years back. That was actually with my brother and our partners at the time. So, um, yeah, great crack and he's, I think, for me, the funniest comedian out there. In terms of funny people here at the football club, who, who makes, is there anyone that really makes you, you laugh or is there someone you just look at and you can't stop laughing? I think Woody. Woody's got a good... Um, Weird, isn't he? He's a good character. He's just the way he comes out of it. He's straight-faced. He's, um, yeah, has been a stitch at times. Because uh, sporting hero is uh, Pep Guardiola. I, I guess, um, as a footballer, he's someone, if you had the opportunity to play under, he'd, he'd be the one, wouldn't he? He just looks like he's got every bit of knowledge you need in football. This is it. I think every interview you listen to, he's so engaging. You hear everyone talk so fondly of him. I remember listening to Tyrion Ray speak on Sky Sports about how he sort of changed his whole mindset about how he plays football. And, um, yeah, I'd love to, to share this sort of evening with him because I think he would open up um, your mind and aspects of... Um, so many elements I'd, I'd love to take on board, that's for sure. Yeah. I know it's a long while off. Is, it, is that something coaching, manager-wise, that you think you've got the capacity to do? Because he seems someone who's switched on in that respect. Yeah, it's something that I think... I'll certainly do my coaching badges. I've got... Um, I just need to complete the UEFA B. So it's, um, it's something I can think about. It's the uncertainty I'm not a massive fan of, I think, after finishing football whether or not I'd want to put my family through it again it's so up and down like a roller coaster but at the same time where you devoted so much time to football to, to then walk away and turn your back on that could be difficult so it'll be it'll be something I look at down the line um, Someone from the dead you've gone for, for Michael Jackson I, I think Michael Jackson's album was one of the first I bought I'd, I'd imagine you know growing up in the era that you have is someone who's always going to be around Yeah he was um, again <laughs> Listen, I think he would he would certainly have some stories to tell and I think he'd be a good dinner guest. If I had more time, I don't know if he would definitely be a number one choice bringing back from the dead. But as I say, when you're on the spot, you do sort of rush into these decisions. We're essentially blaming Joe, aren't we? Because if, we, if we'd have took a more considered approach, we'd have probably... I think your brother may have survived. Yeah, maybe just about. I think um, this is it. I tried to sneak the um, the question back home and he was like, can I have it now? Can I have it now? So um, yeah, the, the blame fully lies with Joe, that's for sure. So that was Nathan Thompson talking about his ideal dinner guests and some of the food that he had on offer. Ivan, you did this come down with me earlier on in the season, actually, and uh, picked your selection. Um, in, in terms of uh, food, you were talking about what you had for dinner down at the training ground. Is, is that is that decent decent food from Ricky the chef? I don't want to give him too much of a shout out, but you give him some banter, don't you? And your facial expression suggests <laughs> words are not required. <laughs> to be fair, there are some days he does some food and I think, well, yeah, it's actually decent, but... Some days are a bit like, I wish I bought a packed lunch. <laughs> what's your What's your chef chef skills like? Chef skills, when I can be asked, not too bad. When I can't be asked, horrendous tuna pasta. But okay, it's good for you, so I just live off that. Yeah, and 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 I guess that um, in terms of relaxation, we we've spoken about um, you fact you room with Marcus Madison on away games, and he tends to just. What is it? Put put friends on his uh, laptop and then turn the hairdryer on. Yeah, it's either friends he puts on or there's something else. It's like an old program he puts on. I can't remember what it is. But the hairdryer? The hairdryer. He sleeps with the hairdryer on to keep warm in the night. Okay. Why, why though? Bit strange. I don't know. You'll have to ask Mads. When you when you when you first saw him doing that, please tell me you questioned him on it. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was drying his hair at once, but right. then I realised. Mads, you got no hair. So what? Why are you drying? 
Well, what, surely you just put some more clothes on, no? It doesn't oh. seem... I mean, if the hairdryer was designed to be a heater, it would be a heater. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking the same, but... Is that the weirdest thing you've seen in football? Or? That is Mads, isn't it? So he does weird things. He, so that probably is up there with the weirdest things I've seen. Yeah. In terms of the dressing room that we have at this moment in time, the players obviously within it, what, what's the uh, what's the squad like? What, what sort of... Exp- you know, if you were never uh, get the opportunity to go into our dressing room, what would you find if you walked in? Would you find a, a team that's full of full of life, full of um, full of uh, jokes? Yeah, hundred percent. The banter flies around. It's probably best one of the best changing I've been in. In terms of banter, hmm. everyone's got a bit. It's not just even Alex Woodyard. He's got a bit, but in a weird way, and everyone just laughs at him rather than with him. But yeah. he, he, he is funny when he wants to be. And in terms of in terms of that character that we showed certainly in the recent game against Coventry, that's going to be needed in a, in, a, in a season where you want to be successful because you're not going to play well all of the time. So if you can bring all those other characteristics in, even if it's going right to the death, that could be key. Yeah, it is key. It is key to have that in football and uh, the manager's recruited well. Obviously, he knows what players he wants. He doesn't just get them off ability. He gets them off uh, how they are as a person as well, which is key. And he's brought them into the dressing room and the dressing room's become a good one. Yeah, and, and that's really important, isn't it? Because you say sometimes, I, I, I can't speak for you, but I'd imagine that at some time in your career, even in the past or in the future, you'll be in a dressing room that you just feel that isn't connected. And I guess that shows when you go over the white line. Yeah, of course, it does show. But uh, like I said, the manager's picked his team well and uh, you, you can see that on the pitch. When, when we're not playing so well, we manage to come back because of the character in the team. Which uh, I think if we continue that, then we, we give ourselves a great chance. Right, it's now time for the killer question. Now, we do this on the podcast where we uh, try and make it a little bit uncomfortable for you. You're already taking a, a glass of water, and you, su- you should take a glass of water. Um, so it's time for the killer question. I'm nervous. Ivan <laughs> Tony. Um, you're sweating there a bit. Yeah, your palms have gone a bit funny. It's the music, it really does. I've gone a little bit easy on you, actually, um, but still, we'll see how you do. Now, Ivan, uh, you're in charge, I believe, of issuing the fines in the dressing room for lateness or whatever it may be. What I want to know is who has racked up the most IOUs? It is an easy one. <laughs> You probably guess yourself. I, I'm, I've asked the question. I just wait for the answer. <laughs> is it has to be Mads? It has to be Mads. Is there anyone that comes close to Mads, or is is he basically funding this whole Christmas party? To be fair, there are a few up there that has put a bit in. Mm. There's, there's, there's Mo not far off that. There could be me not far off that. How on earth that someone is in charge of the fines is struggling? to be finding themselves. You know what it is? What killed me? Late on a match day. That, that, due, due you have no traffic. excuse. Due to traffic. You, you live, you moved closer <laughs> to the, you can't use that as an excuse, I'm afraid. But what, it, what it was, there was, there was, there was an accident and me being me, think I knew better than the, the, the ways up. Yeah. Thought I knew better than that. It was telling me to go some different weird ways. I thought, no, 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 no. I know this way. I'm going this way. Then I drove right into the traffic. Looking in my uh, mirror to see if I can reverse, but car come right behind me, so I was stuck and just had to wait. 
extra 30 minutes. I just heard excuses. Ivan, thank you very much for uh, for completing that for us. Um, and Marcus Madison, I suppose we were, we shouldn't be surprised too no, much by don't that. don't be surprised. But it is what it is. Um, in, ter- in terms of um, away from football, um, is there some some interest that you have? I mean, I'd imagine you're, you're a big music guy. Yeah, I like music. Um, more of a freestyler, but... Okay, have you got Can't anything? give you something right now. <laughs> no, it, it, that's the weird thing. If someone says they're a freestyler and then don't perform, that kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it not? No, nah, to be fair, I'm more of a snooker player. I like, okay. I, I like, I like snooker. Okay. Pool or snooker, one of them. Okay, are you any good at it? Or? Yeah, yeah, I'm decent. You, you like the ping pong as well? Ping pong, yeah. I probably haven't lost a game since 2009, but yeah. I won't mention that. You, you just have mentioned that, but um, <laughs> that, that's fine. Because we learned in this podcast that George Boyd was a big R&B fan. And R&B I, fan. I, I, it wouldn't be something you would necessarily that, know. So am I, but old school R&B. Okay. Whether that Boyd means that, because... He's old. You said it, not me. I did but. say that. <laughs> so in, t- in terms of an ideal concert, if I was going to say right now, there's an unlimited amount of funds, you can pick any artist to go and see, who would you pick? You might not know them, but I went there with my mum and my dad and my family for Mother's Day before, and it was Darnell Jones okay. and John B. Okay. So if highly recommend that. Yeah. yeah if if you like, I like the way you're looking at me as if as if, <laughs> as if you're wondering whether I know who that is. I don't know. Who yeah, that I is, can tell you that by your face. But uh, Darnell Jones and uh, John B. That both of them. Okay. That they are. That is some some atmosphere. Decent. Good recommendation. Yeah. Good recommendation. Um, right now, it's time to find out why the fan base is growing in America. As we chat to Derek Smith and find out why he is now an avid follower of the Posh. Derek, talk to me about how you ended up following Peter United from all the way over there. I was visiting London back in January 2019, earlier this year, and the day we had touched down, studying abroad. I looked to see on the English calendar if there's any football matches going on that day. And the only one was the trophy match for, with Peterborough away to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge for the under-21s, uh, uh, their match over there. So uh, a few of my friends and I decided to take the underground. And so we had just got our oyster cars. I mean, we're just like we're in the country maybe three hours and we're ready to go to a football match. So we try to get there. And the funny thing is we had come from Denmark and they're an hour ahead of you guys. So we had thought the match was kicking off at 7.30, whatever. And we showed up, you know, almost at halftime. And we didn't know that they stopped selling tickets once the match goes off. So we were trying to frantically find tickets. We ended up buying uh, tickets from people leaving at halftime for a few pounds. And those already got scanned and obviously wouldn't work. And the uh, security guards were pretty funny trying to laugh at us, trying to get into Stanford Bridge. But we eventually had some people that are Peterborough fans showing up late. They got a few of my friends in. I ended up finding someone at a ticket window to get my ticket. And we ended up watching the second half, got to see a few goals being scored. Beautiful. And and we I, I honestly did not like Chelsea. So I was like, you know, ABC, anyone but Chelsea. And then at that match, I fell in love with the club, fell in love with the fans cheering. You know, there's 800 or so of them away on a, on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whatever that was. And, um, you know, I just immediately was like, this, this club is awesome. And during the time of us trying to find tickets we reached out on social media to peterborough and obviously you guys were busy uh, watching the match so but you guys were, were kind enough to get back to me during the week and uh we set something up to come up to peterborough uh the next uh game i think it was uh against rochdale mm-hmm. and uh, we got to see i went to the weston home stadium and got to see the match and got to meet the owner got to meet jake 
the staff members. Uh, it was it was fantastic. I honestly the best football sports experience I've ever had in my entire life, and I was hooked ever since then. It's always quite weird, isn't it, how how people fall in love with with a football club and how they have these stories to tell. And yeah. I guess yours is one of the more unique stories to tell. Yeah, very uh, very surprising. I did not expect that when I touched down in England, but uh, but like I said I, before the uh, before the match kicked off, I went to the posh shop and bought a jacket, a scarf, jersey, everything, and uh, actually got to tag along with the tour. And I was talking to a really friendly gentleman. Uh, who was walking around with me. We ended up kind of tailing off towards the tour. He was showing me some different things, uh, different memories around the locker room or the, the locker room and the uh, the stadium. And I noticed that he looked really familiar in the pictures. And so I asked him being a you know brand new supporter of the club, it ended up being uh, Noel Luke, uh, one of the legends of the club. He was kind enough to show me around. So I was pretty floored to meet him, see the picture. He told told me about this picture where he's shirtless standing with the team after they beat Liverpool in a cup match. Uh, it was really, really cool to just get immersed in the club at that point, and I was—I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, and I guess when you when you got back home and and, and sort of telling this story to your friends, they're like, "Well, um, I mean, how does that happen?" But it's it's not a sort of fly-by-night thing, is it? I mean, you, as you say, you are hooked now and, and are following Peterborough from uh, from afar. Yeah, it, it's it, and it was uh, once I got home, I realized you know we we don't we have a few matches that are uh, played every Saturday morning for us uh, from from Premier League. Uh, and a couple of FA Cup matches here and there. But then once I found out about iFollow, I immediately bought a season pass and uh, I've been watching and listening to the audio because, uh, you know, it's a, a few hours behind, but but most times it works out great to, before I start my Saturday, really, to, to kind of watch a game, uh, listen to the match and, and you know, be able to, if I can't watch the game right away, at least to get to see the highlights you know, later on in the afternoon. Uh, but it's great to to follow along. And, and it's they honestly have, I've watched more of Peterborough than my, even my local club uh, here at MLS, the Columbus Crew, which I <laughs> might be ashamed to admit to my close friends here. But uh, but honestly, like there is room in my heart for uh, for Peterborough. And, and and honestly, I'm just thrilled to be a part of the of the supporting the club, even from afar and uh, just been welcomed by the fans and and obviously the staff at the stadium and excited to, to share the good news of Peterborough with the world. And, and as I say, you talk about iFollow. Now, obviously, technology has advanced so much in the last even 10, 15 years. And, and for people that don't live in the city that they they have an affection to, it's it's a great way of of keeping up to date. Absolutely, absolutely. I like and and the behind the scenes stuff. Posh TV is great. Uh, it's a great way for me to connect with everyone, including this podcast too. Uh, I love how this has started this year to to really get uh, to hear you know long form you know answers and questions of people like George Boyd and. And a lot of the, the staff, the coaching staff that's been on there, it's been fantastic, especially the fans, too. Like, I really like um, hearing from the fan that gets to join the podcast. It's it's a lot of fun. So technology without it, I'd be looking at box scores and, and bylines and and reading articles. And, and, and it would be difficult. Uh, this definitely makes it much easier to stay connected to the club in the city. And, and how do you how do we grow the fan base in America? Then are you are you could put yourself in charge. You're, you're the man to spread the <laughs> Uh, I'll be happy to volunteer to help uh, spread the word. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, there's there's already a small group of us. We have a Facebook group that we've started uh, here recently, and we're looking forward to to growing it through some watch parties. So the big culture in America, most of the games, I'm in the eastern time zone in the middle of America in a state called Ohio. Uh, so we're we're right next to we have a, a, a big MLS club here, uh, Columbus Crew. So a lot of soccer fans in our community. And in the winter, um, or even even during the season before our matches kick off in the evening, 
the pubs will be filled with with people watching football matches from across the world, but mainly England. Uh, so there's a really big contingent of, of Premier League fans and championship fans. Uh, so it's not that hard uh, to, to imagine a, a pub being turned into a Peterborough pub with just the right amount of connection and networking. So I'm hoping to do that here in the coming months with some watch parties uh, and doing a few giveaways, maybe some club merchandise. I'm going to buy a few copies of FIFA 20. Uh, I honestly feel like that's a good way to connect the people with the club because they can, you know, attach themselves to a club like Peterborough, play online, but also, you know, move up the ranks. And, and for gamers out there, it's a really good way uh, to connect people to to a club. And, and so it, it's going to be grassroots for sure. Um, but we're hoping that it's going to grow and grow. And maybe who knows, maybe this time next year or the near future, we can do a little uh, posh abroad travel uh, to Peterborough for a home match. That would be great. So that was Derek, who's over in Columbus in America. He's got an incredible story there of how he became a, a Peterborough United supporter. Um, sometimes you, you, your family influence where you end up supporting or how you get into football. But I, I don't think there's a story like that one, which is quite unique in, in a way that he started to, to follow us and obviously saw us win on the, on the first night, which also has a big bearing on that. When you were growing up, Ivan, did you have a football team? Were you were an avid supporter of someone who you go and watch? Um, I was a Liverpool fan. Okay. Uh, through my cousin, my cousin used to support them. Obviously, you got the top, and I used to just watch the games with him. Then I, I was a Liverpool fan from there. But mum being an Arsenal fan and dad being a Cobblers fan, mm-hmm. it was a bit of a tricky one. When Cobblers beat Liverpool in the cup, she a while, a while back now, my dad was in my face. But um, <laughs> and, you, and your mum's an Arsenal fan. Yeah. How, how's that family, or is that just? Yeah, to be fair, she was born in London so it might be from that okay um, but she, to be fair she, she's, now she's just sports wherever I play okay so. is she your biggest fan um, well I don't want to put a divide in the family <laughs> I don't want that, to put a they're all that, big that, fans they're all my biggest fans yes. but um, my dad's my biggest critic mm-hmm. to be fair my nan who sadly passed away a while back um, she was a big fan as well she used to come to every game waving our scarf but <laughs> Yeah, they, they they all used to come. They come everywhere. Literally travelled up and down the country. My two little brothers, my two sisters, mum and dad, and um, used to be my nan. But just mm. just direct, direct them now. And even your little ones coming now, isn't it? Yeah, they're all coming. They got little Tony kits on the back. So yeah, you mentioned your dad's your biggest critic as well. Is is that sometimes a, a little nice to have that kind of person who's you 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 know so well that they can be honest about things? Yeah, it is. Obviously, my mum's the soft one. She's on my side all the time. So whenever my dad does criticise me over any any little thing, my mum's always saying, "Ah, oh, he did try." So, but to be fair, my dad he remembers everything, mm. every little thing like this. Let's say if I do score, he'll still say, "Should you have done that?" Even though you scored and things like that, and every chance he'll remember. So, sh- so surely, when you scored a hat trick, for instance, he yeah. can't have had any complaints then, could he? To be fair, I, I think he actually did. I think he said he had a chance to score four <laughs> or something like that. You've you got a few hat-tricks now. Where, where are you keeping the, the, the match balls? To be fair, I've run out of room, so I have to use... Um, <laughs> Man's room? The other room. <laughs> nah, um, yeah, nah, they're all, I think it's three now I've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all, they're all on, on display. What was your favourite? Mm. Everyone says the first hat-trick is always the best one. I think it might have been Bradford due to... The halfway line goal. Yeah, halfway line goal and how crucial it was. Because mm. it was a weird game. game, that game, wasn't it? Because obviously yeah. we got ourselves in control of the game and then obviously it looked like we were going to lose the game. Yeah, winning like 2-0, was it? Mm. And then we 
was losing 4-2, then come back 5-4, then drew 5. and Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, I think Conor O'Malley saved penalties on that day. But that goal you scored at Bradford, is that up there still in your, in your, your best goal you scored? You scored some... To be fair, the goal of the season competition at home place is ridiculous this season. I have to win that, to be fair. Do you, though? For what? The lob. Lincoln. Well, there's been some good ones, though, haven't there? Marcus. Which one was that? He scored a lob as well. Free kick against Sunderland. A free... Oh, Reedy's Sunderland. goal? Sunderland, yeah. Reedy's was just a smash. <laughs> so you're not having that? <laughs> nah, it, it was nice. It was nice. But to be fair, Mads is free kick against Sunderland. Yeah. But then again, he's got the wind behind him, so I'm not really having that one. Maybe the lob against Rochdale. That was tasty. Yeah. I think, I mean, it just goes to show what kind of players we have at the state at the ground at the moment that can score all types of goals. Um, obviously, you scored a... It's not an overhead kick, though, was it? That you scored at... Um, Wickham. Wickham. A scissor kick? Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm not, the, Sis- over, the overhead kick that Chris Wilder was on about early on. That's over, yeah. That's is that like, a proper... Yeah. Yeah, that was a proper one, yeah. Whereas this other it's, one... It's on YouTube. I'll, I'll show you that after this. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll definitely not look for that. Um, <laughs> no, that's a, I call that a scissor overhead. Overhead scissor. Is that a word? No. Um, it, <laughs> and finally, penalty kicks. Obviously, our place, Mads takes them. Um, and when Mads don't take them, Mo takes them. I presume you're third in the order, are you? I'm third, but it's pointless. It's not going to get third, is it? But Do, do you get asked the question? How does it work with penalties? Is it a um, case of someone puts their hand in the air and that's it? Or to be fair, rock, gaff, paper, scissors? Gaff, gaffer picks and uh, he chose his fav- favourite, I think. Not, not not the best at penalties, just his favourite. Okay, okay. <laughs> in- nah, interesting. Nah. Um, have you taken penalty before? Yeah, I have. Other than in a shootout? I have. Um, you missed, didn't you? Barnsley at home, if you remember that game. The one you missed? Barnsley at home, if you remember that game. Yeah, I remember the game. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm just, I just seem to recall that you missing the penalty and them going down the other end See, and scoring. Even the, yeah, there you go. But the best of players miss. That's how they respond, isn't it? That's how they respond. I'm well, sure if I, get, if I get a pen and I'm feeling it, I'll pick it up and take it. Okay, final question then. Depends if Gaffer shots. <laughs> I might give it back to Mad. <laughs> I thought you were the, the big, powerful striker, but you're I scared am, but by so, Darren saying... Sometimes when he screams, it is a bit scary. You okay. can't make eye contact. Okay, final question then. Uh, you and Mo are both on 11. Who's going to win the golden boot? <laughs> of course me. By how many? So we know. can look back at this podcast in, in the end of the season, we can say, well, Ivan said he's going to win by four, or Ivan says he's going to lose by three. What, what's... You don't need to say your figure, just how many are you going to win by? I don't know what I'm going to win by, but I'm going to win. It's very, very, very know, middle of the road. I know Mo's a good goal scorer, but I'm even better. And there <laughs> it is. That's the sound bite that we can end the show on. Ivan, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank the college as well for uh, allowing us to come in and, and record this podcast here. Uh, we'll be back uh, later on this year with the next podcast, United City. Thank you for joining let us know what you thought of today's episode by getting in touch at The Posh Official on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Or you can send us an email to media at theposh.com. Posh.